You're listening to The Yarn. It's a podcast uh, to and for the Australian wool industry. And today we're with Craig Wilson. Craig, you've got a lot of hats that you wear. How, how do you introduce yourself? Uh, thanks, Maurice. Yeah, I, I like to think of myself as a merino genetic consultant, really. Most of, a lot of my work is, is around sheep classing and advice, but I guess I'd like to think that I'm, I have a sort of a broader view of the industry and, and um, I certainly like to think that I'm, I'm, I'm balanced in my decisions and, and very much about trying to bring the industry together and you know promotion of the industry, not just promotion of myself, I guess. Now, you're uh, perhaps best known for your work with uh, the Peter Westblade um, trial and scholarships. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about uh, who Peter Westblade was yeah. and why this is his legacy. Yeah, certainly, Maurice. I think um, for me, um, Peter was a, was a wonderful mentor. Um, he was a really passionate guy and, and one that was able to assist a lot of people um, in the startups of their businesses. And, you know, unfortunately we lost him to cancer at quite a young age. And I guess what we've been doing in the last nearly 10 years to honour him is all around that sort of mentoring and, and also, you know, some clear objective measurements. And I guess at the end of the day, trying to help people make more money, that's really what he tried to do. And he, he did it in a way that was compassionate. And, um, yeah, I just, yeah, th- those that are involved in what we're doing, and it's not me, it's, it's a lot of people involved, are, are very much all driven by the same thing, which is promotion of the industry and, and helping people out at the end of the day. And part of that is bringing young people into the industry yeah. and giving them... Uh, uh, and exposure and a bit of an yeah. education. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my career's been does revolve around the sheep industry and, and the wool industry, um, and I've been blessed by a number of people who've given me some terrific guidance over that period of time. And um, we'd really like to offer the same thing to other people. And and I think it's it's one of those things where you can, um, you know, give some people give people some good advice, which really costs you nothing. And I think. I think going forward for people, for young people, it's there's just massive opportunity for them. Tell us a bit about where you see the industry, because as you say, wool prices are great, uh, sheep numbers are down, um, there's uh, so much interest in genetics. Yeah. Uh, what's what's getting you super excited about sheep and wool these days? Yeah, I think it's I think it's the sustainability of the product and the and the beautiful and it gets in your blood and it's hard to get out of your blood which is that beautiful white wool and at the end of the day that sheep can turn that grass into, into a product which we wear and that we eat I think where we're at as an industry where we've had droughts and other things affecting numbers you know, people are desperate to, to build their numbers up and and the climate's really restricting that but when you know when we do return to what could be described as hopefully more normal seasons, I think the demand for merino users is going to be extraordinary, um, and I just you know, I really do think that if you've got quality sheep and combine that with good management, you're going to be in a really good spot. So for people who are wanting to expand their merino operation or indeed um, start one, yeah. uh, when seasons turn around. Where are the good ports of call? Where yeah. are the good information sources to look at sure. uh, what to invest in and how? Yeah, well, look, I'd like to think that people are objective in those decisions so that they're, you know, they're, they're searching up information from AWI and Merino Bloodline performance information. Personally, we've been running trials for 15 years and there's an enormous amount of information there. 
but what, what I would encourage people to do is, is to actually not rush out and buy them, just take their time to s secure those really good genetics because, you know, a lot of the time you only have to buy them once, but you've got, you're breeding them for, for lifetime. So, um, you know, again, it's the, like the lifetime performance stuff, productivity that uh, AWI is doing as well. There's some, some excellent information out there. Yeah, so it's, it's one of those things. If you're going to run sheep, you might as well run good ones. Are you finding that uh, with these extraordinary seasons that people are looking at genetics that traditionally they wouldn't have considered yeah. in their region? Is there, um, is there a change in the way people are approaching that? Yeah, I think it is. I, th I, think, I think what has really changed that is, is some of the measurement regarding um, for high muscle and fat. And, and definitely people are, are looking for a, a merino sheep that will get up and grow and um, won't die as a weaner, you know, we, we really need to address those issues of, of, of um, animal health, getting sheep up and going and growing and then you've very much got, you know, you've got op options then with the meat market the way it is, the surplus sheep market and the wool market, um, you know, generally people are looking to a, to a merino that can do a lot of things all at once and um, from all the data that I've done, over a long, long period of time, I don't see any compromise in that. I can't see why you can't have sheep that have got really high fleece values and high meat values at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, what are, about your own uh, business? Tell us a bit about what, uh, what you do. Yeah. Look, I consult to a number of, I guess, a number of uh, ram breeding operations, um, some studs, um, a lot of sort of, I guess, guys at a larger scale. Yeah. And... Uh, when I'm not doing that, I'm, I'm, I'm running trials or I'm, you know, we've got our own commercial sheep operation. Um, I've got people to work for me. We run a feedlot. We do a whole bunch of things. So, yeah, generally pretty busy, but I do it because I enjoy it. And I'm one to try and road test my... If I'm giving advice to people, I'd like to think that I've already road tested that myself. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a good position to be in, but... You know, um, there's just so much opportunity for for young people to come and do a similar thing to what I'm doing. Really, you know, that people are sort of crying out for good advice, and and, and I see real roles for people in that in the future. It is um, encouraging to see so many young people interested uh, in the sheep and wool industry, particularly. Just from a, a technical point of view, we're going through uh, what some could say is uh, a bit of a revolution when it comes to. Ag tech. I mean, we've seen it in cropping for many, many years with precision agriculture and yeah. satellites and what have you. And this is starting to come into the sheep industry, and we've seen yeah. it with sheep handlers and what have you. Yeah. What sort of things do you want, or do you expect to come out of this? And I suppose this is from an AWI point of view. Yeah. What What do you expect AWI to invest in in this area? Yeah, I see a lot of good things happening. Um, I suppose for me, the biggest, the biggest one for me, could be virtual fencing. So what we see at the moment is a lot of cropping country and corporates that are controlling a big swath of the country. And a lot of those people are actually interested in getting back into sheep, but they're not that interested in, in, in laying down all the infrastructure that they need. So, you know, if, if we can be in, in a position in five years' time where we can actually control where that animal grazes externally, um, I, I really do feel strongly that that, that that could be an area that that could really take off and 
in mixed farming country where you want to be, um, you know, utilising utilising stubbles, utilising grazing crops, grazing canolas, all of these exciting things that are happening. You know, if, if we could actually manipulate where the sheep eat um, externally, I, to me that feels like a really big area. Obviously there's a heap of stuff going on with genomics and um, all of that other breeding side, which, you know, which again we see... A lot of that's getting road tested now, but yeah, I think I think fundamentally for an industry, a wider industry, and, and for land use, I reckon that that could be the one. Fantastic. Well, I've caught you on in the middle of a trip, <laughs> so I better let you hit the road. Uh, what? How many k's did you do last year, by the way? <laughs> Just out of interest. Yeah, no, I, I normally run about uh, eighty thousand k's a year. Yeah. Um, and that's only going to work. That's not working, but. Yeah, it, it does allow me to to see a lot of country and meet a lot of people. And the big thing for, I guess, for my business is that I feel like I've got a lot of friends in a lot of regions. And there's not too many towns I can't drive through if something goes wrong and call on someone. Yeah. So that's quite unique. And, and you know, it's it does give you a buzz to know that you're helping people make more money. And I have had clients tell me that, you know, the difference between them being able to educate their kids and not educate their kids has been the decisions that we've, that we've made. Yeah, that's it, big, isn't it? It is, it is. And it's, you know, and, and that's what I see, you know. I see I see people that make really good decisions with their genetics. Um, you know, it, it, it might seem might seem a fluffy thing to say, but I can see it actually changes their lives. Yeah, it changes, it changes their business and it, and it can really mean that they've got some funds to work with to do some going holidays or do some other things, which is terrific. All right, so as you get back into the uh, ute to drive another <laughs> 1,000 k's or whatever, now you said you listened to the podcast, which is great. What would you like to hear? Give us an idea of something we can chase up yeah. uh, that you want to hear about. Yeah, certainly. I think what I'd like to see, Marius, is actually go and talk to some of the people with some really good experience in spe- specific areas. You know, I think there's there's some really real untapped talent out there that you know some of the old old time you know might call them old time sheep classes or breeding consultants or you know there's a raft of things and and there's a there's a whole bunch of people that are that have got it all there that you know would be more than happy just to to tell everyone about it. To be honest, most people love telling you about the thing that they're passionate about. Are you going to nominate someone? <laughs> <laughs> My double couple right in right now. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, uh, a couple of people that, I, you know, again, I'm very lucky. I deal with some large scale people that, you know, Roger Fletcher's of the world and the Michael Fields and Ian McLaughlin's and there's, you know, a number of these sort of guys that it's very much a two way street. I learn probably more when I go to them than I feel like I give them. But yeah, they're, they're just sort of three wonderful people that are that have, um, having a great influence on the industry, you know, and, um, and they're very giving. You know, they're, they're people that are very giving of their time and really keen to, you know, help young people. Yeah. Well, there's the challenge to us. All right. Well, thanks, Craig, for spending a bit of time. <laughs> thanks for having a yarn. Most importantly, safe travels home. Yeah, thank you, Maurice. Right. That was the yarn's Maurice Cummings speaking with Craig Wilson, a renowned Merino geneticist. If you'd like more information on that conversation, please get in touch at theyarn at wool.com and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. You're listening to The Yarn, a podcast to and for the Australian wool industry. 
Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast application to get notifications of new episodes. Next, I sat down with Richard Smith, editor of Beyond the Bale, Australian Wool Innovations quarterly publication on all things wool. How you going, Richard? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, very well. Just thought we'd catch up and uh, explain to the listeners what Beyond the Bale is, uh, how often it's distributed, and what the listeners can learn from Beyond the Bale if they don't read every issue. Yes, it's uh, produced four times a year, and it's um, posted hard copy to about 40,000 and also emailed to about uh, 11,000. It's also available on our website, wool.com, and it's, uh, it's well read, I believe. So if you're not a wool grower and you'd like to get your hands on a hard copy of Beyond the Bale, uh, how can you get one? You can uh, either give me a call uh, at the AWI offices in Sydney, or you can email me at richard.smith at wool.com, and I can add you to the distribution list. It's, uh, the magazine's read uh, not just by wool growers, but other stakeholders along the wool pipeline, so uh, anyone can receive it, whether you're a student, you're a researcher, whoever. We're just trying to get the message about wool out there. Yeah, so it is broken up into off-farm and on-farm stories. So the off-farm stories, the fashion stories and everything that goes with it is the first half of the magazine and the back half is the on-farm research. If you're looking for a particular investment strategy to read about, then you can locate that in the contents of the magazine. So I was just having a flick through uh, December's issue, which is our latest issue, and um, one of my favourite stories was across Mongolia with Merino. Four cousins from country New South Wales raced eight days across Mongolia wearing Heli Hansen Merino base layers. So it's not just about what AWI does, it's more inclusive about what's happening in, in the wool industry and who's wearing wool. So have you got a, a favourite story from last issue, Richard? Well, that Mongolia story was uh, a good one for sure. We always try to include uh, quite a few sportswear stories in there because that's such a, a growing market for wool and there's still so much potential in that. Uh, my my favourite story, I guess, was actually about the 50-year-old ram seaman, which was uh, recently thawed and uh, some ewes were inseminated with it and the progeny have now been born. And it proved that freezing seam of 50 years has no effect on pregnancy rates or scanning rates, which is uh, an amazing story, really. Uh, and it not just affects the merino industry, it also has implications for the human medical industry, for, for men who might be going through chemo, for instance. Uh, so that's a really exciting story. And uh, the progeny will be on display at the Balmoral Sire Evaluation Field Day on the 22nd of February at Coleraine. So uh, get along to that if you, if you can. And we'll re- be reporting on, on that field day in the following edition of Beyond the Bale as well. So you can read about it there. And when's the next edition coming out? Yeah, it's coming out towards the beginning of, of March. It'll be out online on hopefully the 7th or 8th of March. And then uh, depending on how good Australia Post is, <laughs> um, you'll be getting it uh, uh, in your mailboxes wherever you are around Australia uh, within about a week. Yeah, it is a great way to find new resources and what AWI is doing. There is a story for everyone, you know, if you're male, female, in the West, in the East, uh, there's stories from all across Australia. So there's also market intelligence reports in the back of the magazine. Uh, If you'd like more information about that, you can also find that online, our weekly market intelligence report. Uh, and there's also reader photo section. What's the criteria, Richard, for submitting reader photos? Oh, we get all sorts of photos. There's no set uh, specifications. Um, anything that you're doing on farm or anything that you've seen, it can be funny, it can be poignant, it can be um, an innovation you've seen on farm. 
uh, yeah, just email them in to me. I try and keep the files uh, as high resolution as possible. But uh, yeah, we, we welcome those. It's, uh, it's like a hard copy social media, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> we also encourage people to submit story ideas. So if you've seen something innovative uh, or interesting or successful uh, in your travels or on your farm, then uh, give me a call and we'll see how we go and maybe uh, feature it in the next magazine. Okay, well, thanks very much for chatting, Richard. Next time you get the Beyond the Bale in the mail, if you're a wool grower or if you'd like to read it online at wool.com, uh, we highly encourage you to read it as a story for everyone. So thanks very much, Richard. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of The Yarn. 